G'day, you're listening to Living the Dream, the podcast of the Hoo-Ha Group. You're here with Dave and John. And we are sitting outside in Cooparoo having a cup of tea. It's been a while since we've done a podcast, John. We promised the listeners we would yeah. have a bunch of podcasts. Why haven't we done all those podcasts? Because we enjoy we enjoy making people suffer, Dave. No, and it's also, not. <laughs> also, also, I think there's been an awful lot going on and it's been difficult like in our workplace. There's been an awful lot going on and it's been difficult to pin down a time. We've, down we've, time we've been involved also. in about a three-month-long struggle at our yeah, workplace, yes, yes. which has been pretty exhausting. It has. It and has. at some point, we will... We should talk and or write about. Yeah. It's been a very specific struggle, but it's yeah. been kind of all-consuming. Definitely, as only like a workplace struggle can be, I suppose. Like it has, it seems so minor in a way, but then also so incredibly all-encompassing. And in some ways, like probably the most kind of important thing I've done for a really long time. Yeah, and you don't really expect that, I guess, of a kind of a pretty typical kind of trade union style dispute that it. You know that we would normally dismiss, kind of, as something not not particularly significant. Oh, Can have so many. I'm <laughs> I'm I don't know if I'd normally dismiss it. Like I don't, I don't know if it was a standard kind of trade union yeah. dispute. Like I think well, it was I'm, more. I'm, I'm trying to say that you know there's a difference between a sort of like a typical kind of arbitration dispute between, say, the government and the and the together union and what happened in yeah. our workplace. Yeah, I think that's that's probably right. But I think what we wanted to do today was. Of course, it's the beginning of the year. This is what you do at the beginning of the year. Yep. Somehow try to go, okay, what's going on? What yep. happened last year? Yep. Let's make some predictions that will probably be proven wrong sure. in the future. Because that's what you do at New Year's. But we've yep. already, before we've got into it, we've yep. encountered a kind of methodological problem, mm. haven't we? Yeah, we have. I think we're, we were talking a bit about, about this and what does it mean to think about politics? And a lot in this blog we talk on the blog and also in these podcasts, we've been talking a lot about kind of, I guess what you call like bourgeois representative politics. And I guess we were thinking about this particularly in light of the, what the Zapatistas say about the inverted periscope and how do you, where do you look for social struggle? Do you look at it on the, at the level of kind of um, the political class level of the media, the clearly visible dynamic that is evident in everyday kind of just consumption of the media? Or do you look underneath and try to unearth some and untangle some of the actual struggles that you might not know about as such that that, that, that are difficult to see and that, but that are very significant and actually that we should be more orientated yeah, towards definitely. right like like because I guess like the thing I wanted to add to that is that mm. I think there's an attempt to look at kind of three different things and their interrelationship. There's yeah. the broad tendencies of the accumulation of capital. Yeah. There's the state and how the state works to reproduce capital. Yeah. And then there's the terrain that we might call the political, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, and I'm yeah. not that's not a concept I'm particularly comfortable with. And I mm. I'd say, you know, like maybe ninety percent of what makes up the, the bullshit of the commentariat focuses yeah. on the political, you know. Yeah. And it's an amalgam of policies, personalities, yeah. scandal. And then how do you right? draw that and, line between the politics and the state? Yeah, t- and they all kind of have their own kind of moving dynamics. But yeah. I, on on the but bus and train ride into work today, mm. I was reading a bit of Lukash, and I'm no mm. expert Not of Lukash in any way. And he, it was his lecture on, like, Rosa Luxemburg. Mm. And he was, like, praising Rosa Luxemburg, and he was making a delineation between, like, what Rosa Luxemburg does and what he considered the kind of, like, bourgeois knowledge and mm. capitalist ideology. And he says what Rosa Luxemburg is, does is the revolutionary model by trying to look at things in a totality. Mm. Like, to, rather than seeing things as these separate, discrete fields of knowledge, but they make mm. up a larger whole. Mm. And then he also said, like, 
the only way you can grasp a totality is like mm. from kind of a partisan and antagonistic perspective from mm. the proletarian viewpoint. Mm. And I think like maybe from my understanding of Lukash and you know, people who listen, who know more about Lukash and listening, please jump on and correct me. Mm. For him, this could only be represented in the party. Yeah, right? that's right. And I think in some ways what the Zapatistas are trying to suggest with the inverted periscope is, is similar but different, right? Mm. Like the only way you can really get the, the you know, you need to understand things as the totality of capitalism, but the mm. only way you can really understand it is from the perspective of real struggles. Does it's, that make yeah, sense? It does. You know, I, was, like, I was listening to this podcast today, which was um, the relaunch of Lisa Vogel's book, um, I think it's called Marxism and Women's Oppression from oh, 1983. Er, it's in the Historical Materialism book series. Yeah, and the um, panel from the HM Yeah, the panel from the HM, and, and she had, the subtitle of it is Towards a Unitary Theory. So I think what she's saying here, what, what she's saying in there is from the perspective, say, from the perspective of, of women's liberation, you need to view capitalism as a totality yeah. in order to understand women's oppression, patriarchy. In her, I'm saying the, the idea of, of patriarchy of, yeah. of male domination isn't enough potentially. What we need is to understand the totality of capitalist relations yeah, yeah. and how that impacts on the way that women ex women experience their very real and, and very specific forms of exploitation. Well, that sounds amazing, and we'll link to that podcast yeah, in the book. Yeah, totally. and that, I, yeah. I think, you know, this is a thing that I go, yes, right? Yes. But it's quite difficult because at the same time, you want to understand, like, how these different fields have their own kind of dynamics yeah, yeah, to them as well. Right. So I guess, so, you know, something, like, I always want to get away from mm. is the idea of kind of putting responsibility for our condition, like, solely in the terrain of the political yeah right you yeah. know that it's bad people and bad ideas and i always yeah. want to push towards like understanding the drive of capital accumulation but i was down in sydney recently i met with some comrades in sydney and it was a really wonderful experience and some of them were like okay you know like i understand this work you do particularly on the with sober census blog but isn't there a danger that you get caught up in talking mm. about capital and capital's terms yeah. you know again you know you you need this methodology of the inverted periscope. Yeah. And the thing that struck me thinking about this, particularly in the bus ride this morning, yeah. is our ability to use the inverted periscope is really determined by the level of struggle that's going on. Yeah, that's right? right. Like, yeah. And our individual or, yeah. or our, you know, if we're part of an organisation or we're part yeah. of a collective or if we're just yeah. individuals, our yeah. connection with these struggles because yeah. our world is so... Our, my, I feel my existence is so mediated, as I yeah. mean, like, by the media. Indeed, like yes. where do I mm. see like yeah, to even talk about it? the inverted periscope does that mean yeah. a totally different methodology you know yeah. like I mean how can you see something that is not readily apparent to you in a way yeah. like how do you see these struggles how do we how can you identify them when they don't get reported in a, high, yeah. in a highly mediatized landscape totally and where, I, you know we claim that Twitter and whatnot keeps us updated on everything you know all over the world but it doesn't we're just getting fed the same stuff from the yeah. same media. Outlets. Yeah, I, I, and I think, you know, like the notion of militant research, which is similar mm. to the inverted periscope, is actually a, a practice that has to be carried out. Yes. And I'm meant to be actually, you know, I was at a conference at the end of the last year mm. challenging the privatised university, and one of the things yeah. that was meant to come out of it was like doing a militant research project. And yeah. I haven't, I have dropped the ball on it because I've been so tired from indeed. this struggle well, that know, we've involved at, at that's work. That's something that I know. indeed might be able to help pursue soon. Because you're well. leaving you're leaving the yeah, world. Yeah, leaving public leaving leaving the public sector. Alright, so we've got case. these methodological issues. Yes, yes. Right? And I think if the like the only way out of it is that we need like I would like in our continuing practice to do more of the inverted periscope. Mm. And I feel we've done that somewhat in some of the shows in the past where we, yeah. we deliberately talk to people in struggles. That's right. You know, yeah, yeah. what's going on in this 
yeah, that, you know, yeah. this area. That's the method of the inverted periscope, and yeah. I think let, we'll yeah. try to do that more. And one thing that we definitely should do in the next couple of weeks is um, get Jackson, who's been from AYCC, who's been very involved in a number of ecological mm. struggles. We'll pull him in yeah. to the Main Street Cooperoo. Mean Street. We'll sit him down with a cup of answers. jasmine tea or a coffee, and we'll get some answers, get some answers uh, right. about what's going on. But... 2015, yeah. 2016, yeah. broad brushstrokes, what the hell's going on? Yeah, well, we had a bit of a discussion about this yesterday, and I think it's pretty hard to pin down. There's so much happening and yet so little at the same time as one of the this kind of contradictory emotion that one feels. Um, so what level do you want to start at? I don't know. I think maybe we should start at the big, start at the big level because it's easier to, to think about that. Maybe we start with the, the Trade Union Royal Commission. Okay, yeah, so the Trade Union Royal Commission wraps up, has wrapped up recently, been very scandal-prone and whatnot. Um, obviously a political, obviously highly politicised, you don't need to say that. We live in a world where everything is already political. To claim that a Royal Commission is, isn't politicised is, is ridiculous and the left gets caught up in too much of this kind of something, oh, it's too political, oh, it's not political. You know, like everything is political, just forget about that. In any case, the Trade Union Royal Commission has spent millions of dollars finding very little. Yeah. Well, they really like spend quite a lot of time prowling their Twitter feed and, and harassing. Yeah, them. look, I, I, it's I think that it's quite difficult. Like, you know, what do we mean when we talk about the Royal Commission? Yeah, right? like no, because right. on one hand, it was streamed online. Yes. And I watched an element of it yeah, online. Yeah, there's yeah. only so many days, and we've written a couple of things on the blog yeah, about yeah. it. And then there's the way that it's kind of produced in the media yeah. as well, you know, yeah. the media acting, betraying my previous reference to Lukash, yeah. the media acting very much like Altazare's ideological state apparatus. Mm. Therefore, like, what, what the fuck is it about? Because mm. the thing that's probably really interesting is in this, this Royal Commission is happening not in a period of, like, classic trade union militancy, no. right? In fact, if anything, trade union membership is uh, yeah. at a decline. Yep. It's at some of the lowest level since whenever. Yep. And um, industrial disputes are <laughs> at the lowest level with Definitely. ever. Yep. Uh, largely, you know, and you know, I think, you know, it's the Victorian branch yep. of the CFMEU, which in some ways makes up the lion's share of industrial disputes. Or yeah. This Definitely. is the last time I looked at the ABX. Yeah. So what's this about? Now, is it just about a certain faction of the political class? Mm carrying out their own kind of, you know, always committed to project to smash another faction of the political class? Yeah. Or does it tell us something more about this particular moment of capital accumulation yeah. and its barriers in Australia? Yeah, definitely. I mean, on the one hand, I guess they want to push through some sort of work choices type scenario again, and they can't do that. So what do you do in the interregnum is you, you might try to attack the biggest, you know, trade union organizations whatever whatever you know and that's and that's significant i think i think like so you know how do let's think about this in a slightly longer term yeah, right? yeah so right. uh the mining boom is yeah. coming is coming to an end i think yeah. that that's probably the large con and the yeah. mining boom is coming to an end and this is really crucial yeah. as a symptom of yeah. the continual stagnation of global capital Yep. You know, not only a stagnation in global growth rates, yeah, yeah. which, you know, if you look at the commentary from the IMF last year, it was mm. constantly things are getting worse. Th well, things mm. are not getting better. So yeah, Lagarde yeah. talked about um, the new mediocre, yeah. permeated by crises in, uh, in financial assets. And, yeah. you know, I'm not, 
100% signed up to the monthly review school. Yeah. But the monthly review, the latest issue, has a really interesting article talking about big picture what's going on and mm-hmm. saying that in this particular historic moment of capital, the traditional state tools of stimulating the economy are not available. All yeah. you can do is have these kind of um, spikes in financial assets. And so mm-hmm. we've got stagnation with these continual kind of spike bubbles and crises of financial assets, right? Yeah. And the symptom in Australia is the, yeah. is the end of the mining boom. Yes. During the mining boom, there was a lot of gnashing in te- of teeth amongst capital mm-hmm. that the wages of labour grew at a rate they weren't happy with. Yep. Nothing like the way that wages grew in the 70s and the 80s. No. All right, so there was a lot of gnashing of teeth about this. Yeah. And this was partly about, somewhat about the power of the blue-collar trade unions, but partly about a labour shortage mm-hmm. going yep. on, right? Yep. And we're going to hit some other weird points about this. Yep. In the last year or two, that's not the case. The last year or two, Australian wages wages growth has actually kind of dropped. Yeah. So much so um, that the Reserve Bank, of all people, mm. now think this is a problem. Yes. Right? Like yeah, the Reserve yeah, Bank yeah. is talking about a structural weakness mm. of, um, uh, of, lab- of labour, which is mind-blowing. Yeah. Yes. So I don't know how to make sense uh, of this. Mm. Like, mm. so I don't know if this is an attempt of, you know, on the level of the state to defeat and disorganise labour. I think probably there's always that tendency. Yeah. Or if it is just a faction of politics fighting against yeah. each other. Yeah. I think for th- like for our interest, yeah. any... I think, first of all, we need to point out how bullshit it yeah. is, right? Yep. And, yep. like... I yeah, think trade the Trade Union Royal Commission. Yeah. The Trade Union Royal yeah. Commission yeah. is... To- like, yep. you know, should, okay, trade union corruption probably yep. exists... Yeah. What has been surprising is about how small and pathetic yeah, the levels of corruption Yeah, I was expecting them to find are. a lot more than they did, that it's a few, like, houses they got yeah. built or whatever, you know. But this is the same sort of except evidence for, that they used to break the federal for, bill um, in the, the Except for the health services union. Oh, yeah, no, then that was, that was like, their, their star witness their ended up being indicted. Witness, yeah, you know, who's so. ended up having a million dollars worth of embezzlement. Yeah, The yeah. rest was pretty freaking piss poor, Yeah, you know, yeah. levels of corruption. That you'd yep. think in a society like Australia, yep. which I think we've got to say is like yep. structurally corrupt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not much, right? It's no. not much. I mean, did you find anywhere near that much in terms of like favoritism, like of, of people getting their kids' jobs in law firms? Totally. I think the thing that was the most interesting about it, and is the most worrying, and this all got mixed up, right? Like where if you read the media, actual moments of personal graft got associated and assimilated with the same thing as real militancy, right? Yeah, so yeah. if you think about Johnny Lomax from the CF- yeah. CFMEU yeah. in um, in the ACT, and yeah. is it John Sector yeah, uh, from the Victorian scene? Yeah. No, they've got... I think Sector's still facing charges of blackmail. Yeah. This is an attempt where the state is saying mm. that effective yeah. trade union representation yeah. is blackmail. Yeah. Oh, that's right. right? That, that's yeah. mind blowing. So yeah. what, what, yeah. I want to say this again. So yeah. what they what they argued in the case of Johnny Lomax was that yeah. he had had let, been involved in the campaign, but one of his members higher wages, yeah. right? And there was a threat behind it that yeah. he threatened to use union power. Yeah. That this is blackmail. Yeah. Well, it's actually this fundamental part of being a trade being a trade union. But it's interesting because this makes me think about the 1969 Clary O'Shea dispute where basically we've got the Maoist Tramways Union Secretary in, in Melbourne. He is... Um, he, 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 he's um, going to go to jail. Yes, that's right. He's going to jail over the Penal Powers Act clause, which is, has always been used, had always been used. It 
decades against trade unionists. The Penal Powers Clause have been used to snuff out a lot of trade union activity. But what happens instead this time is that a million workers go on strike and they break the Penal Powers Act. This is the last time that governments tried to use things like blackmail. That was yeah. in, 60s, in the 60s. That was when charges like this of blackmail and, and whatnot were being used to undercut legitimate trade union activity. Yeah. And I've, one commentator has already, I've, I've seen has already mentioned this, you know, that this is kind of a return to almost that, that yeah. period when these sorts of laws were being applied in this way. This is like kind of going back to like pre, before even, you know, it was accepted that, um, the, like enterprise bargaining or whatever. And all these so it's things. an attempt to return industrial yeah. disputes yeah, yeah. into the criminal sphere. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Okay, so, clear away so why is, yeah. what's going on yeah. in 2015, looking yeah. to 2016, yeah. that means a certain faction of yeah. four capital, a certain yeah. wing of the political class yeah. are attempting to do this, and how yeah. does it fit into the bigger picture? It's a good question. I think we don't know. I mean, I, I don't can't make head or, head or tail of it. I mean, I'm, part of me leans towards that it could just been one of Abbott's silly cultural war adventures. It's kind of now had its last final gasp, and we might not hear much of it anymore. But equally, I, there, there may be something else to it. See, the hypothesis I'm going to make okay. is that like, there's kind of a smorgasbord mm. of strategies yeah. for capital accumulation that have yeah. been played out yep. in a very disorganised way. Yep. Because the sphere of the political yes. is malfunctioning mm. as an expression of the broader stagnation of capital accumulation in yep. Australia. Okay. You yep. Know, yep. That, yep. That, that's the thesis I'm running with here. Okay. Um, yep. You know, like still talking on this terrain. And as you know, I started with saying, I don't want to talk about this yeah, terrain, yeah, but still talking right. about this terrain. Yeah. Like Laura Tingle. Lara Tingle? Lara Tingle. Lara Tingle, who I think is one of the smarter heads of the yeah. Thinkers for Capital. Yeah. Her, her recent article in... Um, Quarterly the essay. quarterly essay mm. was a long piece about why his governance so fucked. Yeah. Right. So yep. let's let's kind of maybe end that bit there. Yeah. yeah. Think about some of the other events of 2015 yeah. that can help us like get this yep. this picture. What well, else should we tying into this whole idea about about the real like lack of workers' place militancy and the lack of union density? Might be to think about some of these new forms of work that are starting to emerge in Australia and the effects that they have on existing occupations. So thinking right, here particularly let's let's think about Uber. The rise of Uber. Two thousand and fifteen. Twenty fifteen is the year of Uber. Probably really important because what the big story about Uber was yeah. the massive New Year's Eve New Year's Eve. Yeah, fares, yeah. Someone right? managed to accumulate seven hundred twenty dollars in fares between Blacktown and Sydney. Alright, so tell us tell us all about this. Well I mean I, I know this, you know, from having a, a family a family member who who's who works in the taxi industry. Just the degree to which Uber. So Uber is a ride, the ride-sharing app that is that allows any everyday person, whatever, to, to become effectively an undocumented taxi driver. Yeah. You know, so they are allowed to um allowed to perform the basic services of a of a taxi driver, but they, they do so under like these incredibly rigid sort of um sort of evaluation structures that are built into the app. The built is okay, really is an odd form of kind of workplace policing where yeah. you are reviewed. By your customers on a regular daily, so it's this incredible, like, Foucauldian level of policing that we're talking yeah. about within the workplace. But so, on the one hand, there's that, which is interesting for those drivers. On the other hand, we've got the way that taxi drivers, who in a large section of which are recent migrants, often from the subcontinent, who yeah. are easily able to get employment in these through networks, through networks of social and um, religious and um, kind of 
place-based solidarity in, yeah. in, in the areas of the subcontinent. They're able to come to Australia and get relatively easy employment in these areas. And it's, often, it's really the only work that is easily accessible to, to, to them yeah. when they arrive in, the, in this country. And that's having, and it's led to, if, if we want to apply our inverted periscope here, to a lot of strike action and sort of stuff that's not getting reported in North Like there was, a, there was a strike in Melbourne a few months ago of taxi drivers who, who, and that was a little bit docu- that was a little bit well documented. And a couple of years ago against yeah. anti, uh, like a, a, a strike of taxi drivers against anti-Indian racist violence and in Melbourne. And that's right, yeah. And all these things, you know, they need to be seen as as, as, as part of, the, I guess, a totality in which in which these drivers live. They live in a climate of incredible racism, on the one hand, and also in this context Personal of their Personal and state, entire, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, the, yeah. from, from yeah. my impression, and yeah. no, I, I could, could be yeah. wrong here, yeah. is that you have a lot of people who drive cabs yeah. outside of their official hours of work yeah, because right. yeah. the visas that they're here on yeah. limit the amount of work that's they're right. legally allowed yeah. to do. that's right. So they're only allowed to work 20 hours under a standard, um, under a standard working visa yeah. or standard student visa at the very least. And so a lot of taxi drivers now who would have usually earned several hundred dollars in a night are now earning 50. Yeah. 50 dollars in a night because of what of this, and it's really ha- and and I think that's something. Just like the the tip of the wedge, yeah. maybe of this sort of. New, the way the new economy, the innovative yeah. innovation economy, is a going to be displacing people. It's going to yeah. be dis- turning traditional. It's going to be turning the, the this these these workers who are subject to the strictures of this app into like twenty four seven workers who are subject to the obscene dictates of any passenger who wants to give them a terrible review, and then they'll never get a job again. On the other hand, these taxi drivers who have to pay the taxi like bloody. They're, they're like worse than feudal landlords. Yeah. People who actually the the rich people who often own these taxis yeah. who who have who take huge amounts of the taxi drivers' profits to start off with. Yeah, you know these people are really getting squeezed pretty badly in a in a climate of intense racism where it's very difficult for them to get work elsewhere. Yeah, like very very interesting talking about Uber because I think it's a way of talking about these broader tendencies in capital that are yeah. unfolding. Yeah, and so on one hand, like I think the debate has often been a debate between two different modes of capitalist industry, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. a particular way, the traditional way of taxes have been organised in this new innovative way, right? Yeah, yeah. But I think what's kind of interesting as you're talking about is, mm. you know, how do workers articulate themselves yeah, within right. this yeah. model? Yeah. And I, I guess the other thing that's interesting too, and it really rams home a big problem, and I think a problem that was experienced in 2015 and 2016. When you're a worker in an industry that is becoming increasingly unprofitable, mm. how do you articulate your own interests yeah. it is not simply a defense of the capital that exploits you and that's right does, that, does that make yeah, sense but I, right. I just want to backtrack it a little yeah. bit what's so interesting about about uber so um 2015 was the year when multiple voices of capital celebrated the disruptive economy yeah before yeah. joe hockey got the axe his yeah. pre-budget speech was actually a speech about the disruptive economy yes right yeah. um both federal government and state level, now Labor, so mm. federal coalition state, are both setting up these state funds mm. to help spark startups, right? Yep. Yep. The Business Council of Australia have been talking about disruptors. Yeah. What's really interesting about think about the Uber model. So yeah. here's a model of capital yep. where you minimise as far as possible your actual expenditure on capital, Yes. right? Yep. What you own is basically just the algorithm. That's right. Isn't yep. that amazing, right? Yep. Yep. It's just the algorithm. Yep. And the algorithm uh, works in a way to turn your temporary employees who are employed mm. on a job-by-job basis, yep. their 
normal items of utility yeah. into capital, yeah. right? That you yeah. then kind of skim off the top from. Yeah. What's other? What's also really interesting, and this was rammed home in an article that Doug Henwood wrote, is apparently a number of these businesses, Uber, Airbnb, the like, yeah. actually are not making money. Yeah, right? no. Where, where they're making, like, their actual business yeah. model, they're not profitable yeah. business models. Yeah. Where they are actually making profits from yeah. is the huge surge in their, mm. the value of their financial assets yeah, this as is capital amazing. is pouring yeah. into them, right? So, yeah. you know, that um, Airbnb... There's some, like, estimated value... Totally. Like, we'll, 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 we'll yeah. link to the Doug Henwood yeah, article. Yeah, yeah. So, Airbnb, for example, that's also yeah. another one that, that's taken off. Apparently, that's a loss-making business, mm. but the actual value yeah. uh, of the company is yeah. more than any hotel chain, Yeah, right? Totally. And they have yeah. almost no assets. Yeah. This is also happening, right? What is allowing this to happen? In part, yeah. it's because capital is really, really fucking cheap, yeah, right? We're right. living in a yeah. world of functionally zero interest rates, yeah. which allows people to borrow money almost for nothing and yeah. invest it. Yeah. However, as the Bank of International Settlements has pointed out, yeah. this is creating a level of instability yeah. In what money is actually worth, yeah, right. <laughs> therefore, revealing the fictitious character of <laughs> yeah, money totally for all right. to see. <laughs> like, they're, they're, therefore, like the the Federal Reserve is being compelled to slowly mm. have to raise interest rates. Yeah. So that's a kind of really amazing contradictory moment that we're in. Yes. On one hand, you're having the on the ground displacement mm. of people from say, and like there's been a long from what I've chatted to people who work in the tax industry. There's yeah. been a long time decline in the standard of living of taxi drivers. Oh, definitely, yeah. You know, but this has then been accelerated by this disruptor mm. model. The yeah. model itself is not actually profitable in the classic way we understand it, no. but is as an area of speculation yeah. in the context of a particular form of financialization of zero interest rates yeah. that in itself is creating yeah. more forms of stability yeah. that is coming to yeah. an end, right? That's, yeah, that's a really right. amazing moment yeah. to be in. Yeah, it's amazing. You can be like a person in your basement, effectively, all three together, three people together, and watch an app. And it could be worth two hundred million dollars. Which is also, which is also having really interesting ideological effects. Mm, you know, yeah. so a rebirth of the idea that anyone can make it with a good idea. Mm, yeah. But also, like, what is the response to this? Yeah. Like, if yeah. more and more work is mm. being, if if you know, like, and I think you know, like, thirty years ago we saw this mm. with the with a particular kind of boosterism and ridiculous idea of how the internet was going to change work. There's a yep. great article called The Californian Ideology by Barbrook and someone else that mm. kind of sat like critiqued this 30 years ago. Yeah. So part of this, a level of this might just be bullshit. Yeah. But if we are shifting to where mm. more and more work mm. is done by low investments of capital simply yep. through yep. algorithms yep. dispersed into jobs, yeah. how will we respond to this? Yeah. You know, like, will it be a defence of the old industry. Yeah. You know, right. and yeah. I understand why people want to do that. Yeah. And and or will it be an attempt to develop new strategies? So the mm. al the alternatives that you're already seeing people beginning to talk about, yeah. there have been strikes globally by Uber drivers. That's right. Though apparently yeah. the Uber algorithm allows them to identify drivers that have been in the geography of political action and then lock them out of work, right? Mind blowing. <sighs> right. Lovely. Will it be attempts to form workers' cooperatives using mm. these these similar algorithms? Yeah. Or is it going to be linked to demands such, you know, around general social income or basic social income? There, there's yeah, some yeah. of the things that are going on. And obviously all yeah. those things um, can be critiqued. And the other this, hand, there's also the idea that the state should intervene in these things as well, calling mm. for the state to intervene. Like, for instance, in Germany, Airbnb has been forced into the rental market yeah. rather than into its weird kind of algorithm-based... Um, yeah. 
app thing. It's being forced into the normal rental market. Yeah, and, stay, and I think this links to another event from 2015. Yeah. Um, that'll bring us to another point. So yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a really great article. I'm going to link to it, written by dear friend and comrade Nick Southall on his blog, Revolts Now, yeah. about what happened in Wollongong at BHP Steelworks. Yeah. So yeah. short version of it, read the article. The short version of it is BHP, Blue Scope, basically said, uh, you know, unless the X amount, we either bailed out X amount of dollars yeah. um, by the, the state government, we're going to cut these jobs. Yeah. Right? So, oh, there's a, hopefully that's not too noisy. I'll lean in. Mm. Union and the state get together, yeah. organise how to, a freeze on conditions, I think yeah. it is, yeah. a certain form of voluntary, re, uh, oh, no, hang on, I got it wrong. Basically, the Blue Scope said to the state and to unions, Make us more profitable or we'll shut down in total. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Union and state get together to save Blue Scope. Yeah. Accept these massive concessions. Yeah. Right? Try to campaign for special deals for Blue Scope. Yeah. And this is a common trope when yeah. jobs are kind of threatened. We'll go, oh, maybe the state can give special deals with certain forms of capital. Yeah. And uh, the Blue Scope wins this and yeah. then announces that they're doing so profitably they're going to buy this new steelworks in the US. So I'll link to the article. But the thing that's so interesting about this is this is an entirely sane response mm. by people facing the, the lowering conditions of capital accumulation in Australia. That's right. And existing in the in a historical situation in Australia in which the government has played a significant role in backing failing industries. Yeah. And we have a corporatist relationship, yeah. in a way, between union government and corporations yes. like particularly the car industry obviously stands out but equally you could say the same of like the wharves in, in the wharves and other places but, 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 well. cer- but certainly it's an indication of some of the chance but I think yeah. the counterpose to this and I don't yeah. want to idealise it um, was the 100 day plus yeah. uh, struggle by NUA yeah. workers at the Hutchison dispute where yeah. 100 or so workers at this stevedoring company which apparently had won particularly good enterprise bargaining were laid off by text message. Yeah. They then fought a struggle that was both um, involved both a camp outside yep. the, the ports but or, but also a struggle in the courts where they want a compromise deal yep. uh, where people will be get like a certain amount of people are going to be made redundant. Yep. They'll be given pretty um, wide wide uh, pretty decent redundancy packages, yeah. have a chance of being hired as casuals. So yeah. there were some concessions, but it's much better yeah. better deal. The thing I find yeah. really interesting about this, that this was a struggle where people claimed space, yep. right? So yep. they physically set up territory. Mm-hmm. And that space from comrades that I spoke to and what you could see on the internet yeah. became a point of kind of proletarian self-articulation, mm. right? Yep. And it reminded me in a funny way of um, 2014 struggle, the Bentley Blockade, yep. where people... Yep. <laughs> A very successful struggle where people again claimed space. Mm. And the yep. thing I thought was also interesting about it is both these struggles were expressions of kind of old constituencies of struggle. Yep. The MUA being an ongoing militant tradition, yep. heavy Communist Party involvement. Yep. The Bentley blockade being an expression of the long term hippie experiment. And yep. don't think, you know, unionism and hippieism are counter opposed. I was just yep. at Woodford. <laughs> And the, uh, which is a folk festival, and the plumbers there flew a lot of union flags, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And I thought there was something interesting in these struggles where they were both like long-term attempts to claim territory. Yeah. One struggle of Bentley Blockade from 2014, yeah. struggle against LNG exploration. Yeah. The other, Hutchinson, about how do we respond when capital... Yeah. Like, and the thing that's great about the Hutchinson 
dispute is workers at this point going, you don't have the right to sack us. Yeah, right? which is a real power yeah, which is a real defiance that. of capital's yeah. power, which That's is right. always a fight. Yeah. Uh, I say I have the ability to hire and fire you at will, yeah. right? But still, it identifies the broader problem, which we're going to have to work yeah. out a way or yeah. should for the yeah. class on a whole. Yeah. Is if this is the end of the mining boom, yeah. right? Yeah. If what we're going to see in 2016 uh, declining uh, yeah. is a return to higher employment, jobs shutting down, particularly yeah. in those industries that are paid particularly well. Yeah. And I know I'm talking a lot here. I will need to add another caveat. So mm. apparently, like unemployment is in 2015 did not rise as high as mainstream um, economists com- expected. Yeah. And <coughs> the argument is that whilst there were jobs lost in things like mining, yeah. there were jobs gained in the service industry. And there's something I want to talk about as well. Okay, I mean, go. I think it's what's interesting as well is in terms of talking about workplace struggles is, you know, this is relatively minor potentially, but the struggle, the Coles, led by local Brisbane activist Duncan Hart, who's managed to have the Coles Enterprise Bargaining Agreement turned, um, sent back to arbitration because it's actually lower than the award they were Negotiated by on. the SDA, yeah, right? Negotiated, that, just those clarify. total bastards yeah. at the SDA. The yeah. total bastards at the SDA who've managed to cut weekend penalty rates and all these other and all these other things, and, and kudos to him for organising this because it's, an, it, it's, it's really stuck it to the SDA, who are themselves in a period of leadership transition at the moment, um, as the old uh, homophobe who was in charge has, has left, the old DLPR, Joe De Bruyne. Um, but you're saying about the transition from the mining to the services industry, and I mean, yeah. recently I saw, you know, the, a lot of the Coles advertisement now, it's not about food, it's about jobs. So I saw an ad, an ad outside of Coles store, which is like, Coles, we've employed 15,000 Australians this year. That's amazing, isn't it? And it's like, and A, that's a lot of people, and yeah. B, this is how they're appealing to people now, equally. Yeah. Like they're saying, you know, Coles is now, like almost like Walmart in the US, like a huge employer. Coles is yeah. one of Australia's biggest employers. And so, like, let's tie this to the Uber thing, right? Like, yeah. you know, if we're seeing as part a transformation in, in what we might call class composition in yeah. Australia, where yeah. we work and how we work and how we're employed. Yeah. That what kind of organisational strategies are mm. we going to develop in that area? You know, right. like, and I, I'm I'm a one of the things I've been I'm a big believer in is that mm. that the working class in Australia is incredibly heterogeneous. Yeah. Right? right. That there's not a singular experience of work that typifies it, that's and right. this this yeah. prevents a particular interesting 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 challenge. Mm. Um, but it's good to see these these struggles going on, and right. you know the influence yeah. that they've had in them. But I, so my yeah. prediction yeah. in two thousand and sixteen is going to be the need to respond to how do we organise in newer new industries or industries mm. that don't have a tradition of union unionism, yeah. and how do we do so in a period mm. of um, the decline in the mining yeah. uh, the, the decline in the mining boom. Yeah. The other interesting thing. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's going to be one, uh, one of the particularly interesting challenges. Mm. Also tied with mm. inverted periscope, right? Mm. So not this year, but last year uh, at Mayday, we did some militant research, mm. and the theme that came up was long working hours. How people feel really, yep. really overworked. Yeah. My conversations uh, with people after a forum in Woodford. This yep. came up again. Yeah. You know, yep. so in a clumsy use of the inverted periscope, yep. people feel overworked. Right. And they are. Australians How? are overworked more than any other Western economy. Australians work more overtime for free than any other Western country. This is so well known every So how every are we going to mix the, these together, yeah. right? Yeah. Overwork and unemployment 
yeah. meeting, and I, th- I think yeah. we will continue yeah. uh, to see that dynamic. What yeah. kind of political response? Now, yeah. I, don't, I don't like the, the idea of kind of revolutionaries sitting in front of their documents and books, pulling yeah. out slogans. I think right. demands must emerge from struggles. Yeah. But the struggle over the working week yeah. and its length over time, yeah, yeah, labour time. Right. Well, it's getting people to stick to the working week is almost significant. Get, yeah, to, yeah. get stick to this idea of you know the working week is is thirty eight hours or whatever it is in your industry, and you don't do any more. Yeah, and, and I think this is going to tie into prediction for two thousand sixteen. Yeah, like this is going to tie into the struggle for the right to the city, because yeah, the working sure. day is tied to how long yeah. we travel and yeah. how the city is organised. Yeah, in our shows this time last year, we spoke about Jonathan yeah. Sree's uh, state yeah. election campaign. Yeah, there's a number. He's running uh, in city council, city council as part of a green. There are a number of interesting events coming up as part of that campaign. Again, supportive but critical. I've got a very yeah. confused about this. My standard opposition to all things electoral. Yeah, but also I've got to realise. This is a politics of a generation under me. Yeah, maybe right. I need to yeah. learn some new yeah. things. I, yeah. I feel very your high horse, Dave. Well, I feel very much. You know, I had a conversation with with Jono recently, and mm. I was kind of like, you know, like I'm part of in many ways the end of social democracy, alter globalization generation, mm. right. and I have an image of how the world works. Right, yep. like yep. the state is fundamentally compromised as the terrain of struggle. Right, yep. don't get involved with it. Yeah. When there's a younger generation of people who are attempting to articulate a politics on this level, like, mm. what do you do? Just go, you're wrong. Yeah. Or do you go, actually, maybe you might do things in a way that are different. Mm. But I think we need, we're, we're taking up a lot of time. With, we're yeah, already at almost 40 good. minutes. Yeah. What else has happened that we need to talk about? Global <laughs> war. <laughs> we've, 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 Terror. The ISIS, horrific, yeah, fuck, we the horrific condition that continues in the border regime. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think yeah, we, we touched on that a little bit talking about the way that talking about the talking about about Uber and about you know the incredibly precarious working lives of recently arrived people in Australia. But I mean, yeah, we've got the you know you haven't talked at all about the actual like horrific functioning of the border regime. You haven't talked at all about the rise of domestic terrorism and this idea of and, and ISIS and whatnot. Let's wait for the ambulance. That's going to take too long. It's taking a while. Come on, everyone, get out of the way. There we go. There we go. Um, there's just so much that we could that we could be talking about. There's so and much more to to bring out. We haven't really talked about climate change fundamentally either. We haven't talked about the Paris Paris Agreement and all, and, and the rise of mean. conservative nationalist politics the in Australia. Rise of which, and we tried to do a yeah. show about this ages ago. Yeah, it fell, it fell apart. Well, it, we did it, but it just it wasn't very good. So, the, so these are like some of like the big events there, right? Mm. Is that like Rise of ISIS and the continuing nightmare in yeah, the Middle East, that's right. right? Which is added to the huge displacement and production of surplus populations locked yeah. out of the global yeah. north. Yeah. In a world of an intensifyingly horrific border yeah. regime, yeah. And the this kind of disjunctive synthesis mm. of politics of identity, yeah, where yeah. on one hand, from the impoverished areas of the globe, we yeah. see a rise of a particular form of identity fascistic politics yeah, yeah, meeting yeah. with an identity politics in the north yeah, and, right. and by this I don't mean identity politics is the classic way it's used I mean the conservative nationalist politics that's right. of, yeah. of white identity yeah. um, the, and both of these seem to have like a kind of power mm. and virility to them yeah. that the radical politics of the left seem to lack mm. you know and and I think that's that's how do we kind of understand it and the thing that's to link it back is 
the thing that kind of blows my mind about the border regime, and I don't really know how to understand it. Like, I think Angela Metropolis's work is incredibly useful, and Angela Metropolis's work talks about that the border and this de the demarcation between the citizen and the non-citizen mm. is necessary to even create the worker who is then employed, employed like employed and exploited by capital. Mm. Like, you don't get capital accumulation without the border regime. Yeah. But at the same time, we have these globe of people have made totally surplus. Yeah. While at the same time we're talking about labour shortages in the north. I don't get I don't know how yeah. it fits together, this yeah. kind of crazy combustive yeah. kind of yeah, position. I, I think I've talked about this in the past, but just on that, I mean, you know, there are like and this is what's interesting about Germany's open border policy to open border quote policy yeah. to refugees is that that's gonna augment their lack of people of appropriate working age. So that's something that, that, that we need to talk about as well. And then I guess like 2015, yeah. three big things in terms of electoral politics, you know, yeah. debates in the radical anti-capitalist milieu. Yeah, yeah. The rise and stymie of Syriza in Greece. Yeah, that's right, yeah. The, the, uh, the Chavistas losing the election in Venezuela yeah. and Corbyn winning the Labour leadership. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, when I go onto onto Facebook, this is what people yeah. are talking about, That's right. and how to yeah. make sense of this. We, it shows both yeah. people looking to and looking yeah. away yeah. from elections, and how to think yeah. through this kind of dynamic. Yeah. We have to go back to work. We do have right to go now. back to work. So, are we going to do another one of these next I think, week? Are I we... think we will. I think we should try to get um do the one on do one on the environment. All right, we'll pull yeah. Jackson in. Um, yeah, and and try to get an interview with him. I think we're going to go out with a song. You've been listening to Living the Dream, a podcast of the Hoo-Ha Group. We'll try to get more podca podcasts done, and we'll try to write or talk about our struggle we that's will. been going on. We'll also try to be less rambling. Thank you. I think it was useful. Okay, All right. Thanks. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for listening.